Hey, I hope you guys are doing well. Now, I know most of you guys are probably healthy right now, but I know for a fact that some uneasiness, some fear might have settled into your life. Now, I know at Westlight, we often say we need to experience heaven together, but you're probably thinking, well, how am I supposed to experience heaven together in a time like this? I'm barely keeping myself together. So I want to share with you three things. First, I want to tell you a story about the ancient church and how they dealt with a pandemic. Second, I want to share with you a Bible verse that was written in a time of anxiety and fear and frustration. And then finally, I want to give you some practical things we can do uh, during this season. So first, let's talk about that story. Now, around the year 250, there was a big pandemic that took place in the Roman Empire in Europe. And historians tell us that about 5,000 people died a day. And then when they thought that was over, about 300 years later, in the year 542, there was another outbreak that took place. And this time, it claimed about 25 million people in that year. So historians record for us that during that time, families will leave their loved ones, their children, their parents, their siblings. They will run away from the Roman Empire, leaving them behind just to save their own lives. But the history books also tell us that while they were leaving Rome, that a group of people called Christians, the church was rushing into Rome to help nurse these people back to health. Now, not everybody was able to recover fully. As a matter of fact, there were stories about how Christians would sit next to these people who were dying on their deathbed, singing them hymns, letting them know that God loves them until their last breath. And sometimes these Christians ended up being patients themselves. But the bottom line of this story is, the church gained the reputation of being the hope in that time. So the question is, how did the ancient Christians have the guts, have the courage, have the boldness to do these things? I mean, can we just assume that the people back then were crazier than us today? Or maybe a better question is, how did they find the peace in their hearts to make the decision to do these things? Where did they get this peace from? And how come we don't have that peace? Now that leads us to the second part, which is the Bible verse. 2,000 years ago, the city of Philippi was a place where a lot of ex-soldiers lived. A lot of retired soldiers who spent their entire lives being loyal to their Caesar lived in Philippi. Now, in that city, a few Christians started to emerge, and there were big threats to these ex-soldiers because these people, these Christians, they would not bow a knee to Caesar anymore. Their allegiance is now for Jesus. So you could imagine these Christians who lived there. They were always looking behind their backs because they were being attacked by these ex-soldiers, left and right. It's in this context that Paul writes these following words. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Now, this is really weird because Paul is assuming that rejoicing is something that you can just flip on like a switch. They're afraid for their lives and Paul says, hey, I have an, here's my advice for you, rejoice. Well, let's keep reading. What does he say next? Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. The word gentleness here is a Greek word that, said, that means to stay calm. So he says, I want you to rejoice and I want you to stay calm. Now, that's also weird because that's also something that I don't think people have control over. Well, let's see, what, is, what else does he say? It says, do not be anxious about anything. There we go again. Does Paul think this is easy not to be anxious? Easier said than done, right? But the, the secret sauce is in the very next part of that verse. It says this, But in every situation, 
by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Now, present your request to God is a very interesting word. It's a, it's a phrase to us, but it's a word in the Greek. It's the word norizo. And what that means is to discover. It means to unravel a mystery. What he's saying is when you ask God for something, he's saying what you need to do with that request is you need to start peeling off the layers and find out what is it that you really, really want. So here's an example. Let's say in this pandemic, you lost your job. This is happening to a lot of people today in America. And so you pray out to God, God, would you please help me get that job back? And that's a really good prayer. So beneath that desire of, I want my job back, if I were to ask you, well, why do you want your job back? You'll probably think about it for a second and say, well, of course, because I want to provide for my family. You see, there's a reason behind that desire. But even at that level, if you were to peel the layers of that, what you're going to discover is, well, why do you want to take care of your family? Well, maybe you'll say, it's because I want my family to think that I'm somebody that could be relied upon. What Paul is saying is, when you start peeling back the layers and you get to the core of what you really, really desire, you can lift that up to God. And when you do that, you'll be able to rejoice, stay calm, and get rid of anxiety. And now let's see what Paul says at the very end. He says this, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. He said that you'll have this peace that transcends all understanding, that the world cannot offer you. It'll be yours if you're able to peel back the layers and find out what you truly desire and say, God, I'm pleading with you. Can you please make this happen? The ancient Christians understood this. And when they were able to have that peace, they were able to make bold decisions for the kingdom of God. So that leads to our third thing, which is, what are we supposed to do? So what are we supposed to do during this season? How are we supposed to experience heaven together through this pandemic? Are we supposed to charge right towards the people who are already infected and embrace them? You see, I don't think that's the answer because times are different. We're in a different context right now. Today, we have healthcare professionals who've given an oath to take care of these people as much as they can. But I still believe that the church has a role, the role of offering hope in a time like this. You see, as Christians, we're called to love people as Christ loved us. But here's, here's the thing, that looks different for each person. So I'm gonna give you two examples of what we could do during this time. The CDC has asked us to practice social distancing. That means, if at all possible, stay home as much as you can, and if you're out in public, to stay at least five to six feet apart from the people around you. See, I believe that this is an opportunity for the church to shine. If we ignore social distancing and we go out as we would usually do, there's a high chance of us getting infected. Now, according to the CDC, as you can see in this chart, if we all get infected early on, they will not be able to care for everybody who is infected. But if we all do our part in social distancing, the curve is lower and the people who are sick will receive the care that they need. I know there's some of you out there who are eager to find another place to worship because our place of worship has shut down. Replacing our public place of worship with another public space of worship is actually defeating the purpose. For some of us, loving our neighbor means staying home so that the people who are infected gets the care that they need. During this pandemic, there's a group of people like people who are over the age of 60, people who are pregnant, 
people who have pre-existing conditions. They're forced to stay home, and if they, even if they need to get some food, they can't go to the grocery stores out of fear of getting infected. Maybe our act of love is to go and deliver a meal, or pick up some groceries, or deliver some toilet paper. And for others, maybe this social distancing has turned into social isolation. And then maybe your role is to call them every day to let them know that they have not been forgotten. Experiencing heaven together looks different for each of us. And I want to encourage you to keep doing those things. So let's recap everything we talked about. First, if you are in a place of anxiety and you feel like you need to rejoice, that you want to stay calm, then I encourage you to dig deep and find out what is it that you truly desire and lift that up to God in the way that Paul encouraged us to do. Second, love your neighbor as Christ has loved you. Do your best to stay home and stay healthy so the people who need the care will receive it. And if there's people who have been isolated, reach out to them. If people who are hungry, if you know people who are senior citizens or people who are not allowed to leave the home, bring something to them. Followers of Jesus are not driven by fear. They are driven by love. So brothers and sisters, may you experience the kind of peace that surpasses all understanding. And may you love your neighbor in the way that Christ has loved you. And may we all experience heaven together in this season. God bless.